You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. All right, let's get started, please. We have an arraignment to get to. Good to see you. I need you to do me a big favor. What's that? Would you endorse me? I'd rather go skiing with Gwyneth Paltrow. We're live in three, two. We are back, so way the f*** back, that I'm joined now by 2024 presidential nominee, newly indicted former fake president, Donald Jessica Trump. You are currently the subject of multiple criminal investigations. Would you say that's hurting your campaign, or does anyone give a shit anymore? Well, if you listen to the fake news media, it helps. Uh, because they're all saying it's a scam. Even even people that don't like me are saying this is a terrible thing to do for our country. You mean Melania? I don't know how you can talk about me when they don't talk about Joe Biden because what he did is so bad. Girl, you need to update your act. This is your comeback slash indictment tour. People don't want to hear the same old songs. I may have made a mistake. MAGA is so 2016. What you need is a fresh campaign slogan. Let's give it a shot. Something catchy, you know, like your chlamydia, but that really also reminds people what you're all about. Pitch me some ideas. So it's massive election interference. Mm, That is catchy, but maybe too on the nose. I have the right to take stuff. Better, but it needs more oomph. Russia, Russia. Russia? Russia. You've done it. It's tired. I mean, the people know me. I think that's why I'm going up during this hoax that's taking place in New York. Honey, I think you're going down. He was a sleazy showbiz pony born in NYC who somehow won the White House over Hillary then after one term got the sack. Biden pummeled his ass, but now he wants to come back. He's been indicted, though, and so he's making scenes. He's the grumpy, trumpy felon from Jamaica in Queens. Yeah, 
met a lovely lady who performed on screen. She started yapping in 2016, and so he signed a bunch of checks. I didn't do it. Cause he's disgusting, and so he had to pay her for sex. Looks like a butternut squash, and his hair is bleached. He's the bloated orange lunatic who's twice been impeached. A bum, a bum, a bum, but a bum, a bum. He loves to rally his mobs. He's such a user, he can't win a race unless he cheats and he robs. Cause he's a loser. I have the right to take stuff. He makes Melania puke. And girl, we all agree, he's the dumpy mega mascot of the GOP. Yeah. Here's a letter from Stormy Daniels saying we never had an affair. I did nothing wrong. I never had an affair with her. It's all made up. Demolishing the country's how he gets his kicks. He tried to stage a coup on January 6th, and now he wants to run again. Girl, really? But can he run from the feds before he lands in the pen? They're bringing charges now, so yeah, he's in a sitch. He's a braggadocious, whiny little traitorous bitch. He was a sleazy, chauvinist, phony, morning in my seat. And somehow won the White House over Hillary. Then after one term, got the sock. Chicken livered bunker boy whose father never loved him, so he's damaged and a deadbeat phony lying insurrectionist with psychopathic tendencies. He's twice impeached, confident, a law obstructing, narcissistic, incoherent criminal, and grumpy, trumpy, fellas from Jamaica, please. Whoa! Telling? <laughs> Randy Rainbow. I think that might be his best one yet. Oh, my goodness. You know, that's the second time I watched. I saw it this morning. I I, I saw that it, that it was there. And then I had to do some other stuff. And then I came back and watched it and was in hysterics. And then I was getting ready for the show and doing everything I had to do. And then came back to it just now. And, oh, my God, it's genius. Randy Rainbow. You know, he does some great videos and then some yeah, not such great videos. This one, hands down, the best. Now, I'm sure Randy Rainbow wasn't the only one who, I'm guessing, he knew the uh, an indictment was coming. Eventually it was coming. And I have a feeling that one has been in the works for a while. Oh, wow. That was so good. <laughs> so good. Um, no, so Sandy, here's the difference. So it's, I don't normally like comment on looks. I look exactly the way I always do. But 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 Sandy in the chat room says, Nicole looks very nice today. Not that she doesn't look nice every other day. Um, she's purple's a nice color for me. I'm not wearing glasses. That's the difference. Because I had my eye surgery. And still, when I read, I, I need, I, I still need to, most of the time, need to wear glasses. But that's, you know, when somebody has something different, you don't quite know what it was. That was it. No glasses. So thank you, though. Thank you. It's it's weird because they're like a security blanket for me. So um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to come on without glasses or not. Anyway, you're seeing the 
ego side of me. I, I'm still I'm still reeling from Randy Rainbow. And here's the thing. It's so good that I'm almost I'm embarrassed to play one of the other songs for you. But there are other songs to play for you because everyone was busy this weekend. All of the creative folks. So there's a guy whose screen name, whose name on, on YouTube is Maestro Zikos. And what Maestro Zikos does is you'll see in a moment if you're watching on a video feed. If you're listening, you will hear what appears to be Donald Trump singing, and indeed it is. And Maestro obviously is a master at the use of um, auto-tune. Because not only does this guy, whoever the hell he is, edit together clips of somebody talking to get exactly the right syllables at the right moment um, for the song, but then he put runs it through auto-tune so it sounds like an actual song. All right, you ready for this? It's just so good. It's not on the Randy Rainbow level, but it's still pretty damn creative and it's pretty damn good. All right, so... Um, here is Maestro Zikos, Z-I-I-K-O-S. Take it away, Maestro. Indicted, indicted, locked up, can't get me off their mind, off their mind. Lord knows they've tried millions times, millions times. Oh, well, why can't they, why can't they just let me go? This can't be happening. Jail cells are waiting. My hands are tied, tied. Grand juries is lurking. Can't run and hide. Oh, I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. Avoid it. I can't avoid it. <laughs> I try to escape it, but it's in the news. The Manhattan DAs, they're on my tail. Oh, I can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. Avoid it. They keep making it harder to stay <laughs> But I still won't fade away I gotta know why can't they Why can't they just let me go Indicted, <laughs> indicted, locked up Can't get me off their mind, off their mind Lord knows they've tried millions times, millions times Oh, well, why can't they Why can't they just let me go Indicted Indicted, locked up, can't get me off their mind, off their mind. Lord knows they've tried millions times, millions times. Oh, well, why can't they, why can't they just let me go? go. Can't get me off their mind, why can't they just let me go? Millions times, I gotta know why can't they, why can't they, I gotta know why can't Let me golf. <laughs> we'll let you golf, Donald. Although I don't know that they have golf in prison. Bum, bum, bum. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, <laughs> some people have too much time on their hands. But that, that was great. Um, yes. So anyway, I've got more, but we'll share them because I, we're going to need to pick me up. All right, so we do have a guest coming up in a little while. And let me just say this. This interview I wasn't so sure about. And um, and then I thought, well, what, it is Women's History Month, but Women's History Month is now over because we're into April. 
but that's okay because who said women's history should be relegated to a single month, right? There's a new book out. It's getting a lot of good reviews and it's called Untold Power, The Fascinating Rise and Complex Legacy of First Lady Edith Wilson. Okay, real quick, who's her husband? All right. Um, Woodrow Wilson, of course. And all I know about Woodrow Wilson, two things. One is he was a racist. And two, I lived on Woodrow Wilson Drive. And I hated it because it was such a long, cumbersome address. But today we learn about Edith Wilson. And she was fascinating. So we'll get to that. But before we do, let me share with you a little bit of what happened today. Um, First of all, news media. What the fuck are you ever going to learn? Because what we saw today was the 2023 version of the empty podium on the TV screen. You would have thought that CNN learned from, you know, the many months of Donald Trump's assault on America uh, during the, the his campaigns, uh, where they would do a countdown to his rally and show the empty podium on the side of the screen. Like, oh my God, Donald Trump is coming up. You wonder why he was elected president because you elevated him to such a level. Cut it out. But today we saw the gates of (gasps) Mar-a-Lago and all the reporters milling about outside and tens, make it fives, fives, of Trump supporters out on the streets. Uh, but they weren't in Palm Beach. They weren't across the bridge because the hoi polloi are not allowed across the bridge. They're over on the other side on in West Palm Beach. Because West Palm Beach is not actually on the beach. You have to go over the bridge that goes over the intracoastal waterways. And then you're on the barrier island that is... Palm Beach. People like you and I don't live on Palm Beach. We're relegated to West Palm Beach. And that's where the fives, I was going to say tens, but there, I don't think there were 20 people there. Caroline says, wow, Nicole is wearing more makeup than usual. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just not wearing my glasses. That's the difference. I'm not wearing my glasses and I can still read. That's the difference, because I had surgery on this eye last week. Okay, sorry, I digress. I just, I occasionally read the chat, and now I can read the chat (laughs) without my glasses on. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, so, um, so, so the the news crews all staked out Mar-a-Lago, and they were watching, and then, (gasps) Here comes a car and another one and another one. So there was like an 11 car um, convoy that went from <laughs> that went from Mar-a-Lago over the bridge from Palm Beach to West Palm Beach. And um, then the 10 minutes to the airport. And then they're showing the plane. There's the plane, the Trump plane. What the hell? We don't do this for anybody else. Why do they do it for him? MSNBC, seriously, what the fuck, dudes? We don't care. Leave it alone. Tomorrow, if there can be 
um, um, if there can be cameras in the courtroom, that would be nice. But we don't need to see the gates of Mar-a-Lago. We don't need to see the damn plane sitting there waiting for Donald to climb up the, the stairs to the back of the plane. It doesn't matter. And you know what they could have been covering instead of that? Massive protests in Tennessee where students, where kids are saying, not another one of those damn shootings. Or here in Florida, here in Florida, where there's going to be a big walkout of all the schools on Wednesday. You know why? Because the idiot moron death sentence today signed into law permitless concealed carry. Yeah, the state of Florida, because it's not shooter up enough for you. Now anybody, anybody can carry a gun, a concealed weapon, anywhere in the state of Florida. You do not need a license. You do not need a permit. You do not have to take any classes in gun safety or to make sure you even know how to shoot the damn thing. Now, if you buy your gun from a licensed gun dealer, then you still have to go through the background check. But they also have these ridiculous gun shows every goddamn weekend where you can go in and buy a gun from some guy who has a booth set up. And because he's not a federally licensed gun dealer, you can walk out with your gun without a background check. And now without a permit, you can carry it on your person anywhere. So if some guy with a gun is walking up to a school... The cops can't stop him because he's legally allowed to do it. So I was on a call, a a, a call a couple of hours ago that the Florida Democratic Party had for press. And Nikki Freed, who is the new chair of the Florida Dems, and a a few other people, someone from Moms Demand Action was on the call. And Fred Fred Goldberg was on the call, who lost his daughter, Jamie, uh, at Parkland. And here's a little bit of what he had to say. I really do want to very personally deliver remarks today to Ron DeSantis. Sorry, not Goldberg. Goldberg. Let him know why I am pissed and why I will chase him down across this state as well as possibly across the country as he really focuses on his presidential campaign. Because Ron DeSantis today put his signature to a bill that guarantees there will be more Jamies in America. Or in Florida, I should say. Ron DeSantis signed legislation today that, A, gutted part of the legislation we passed after Parkland. Because by passing permitless carry, it removes the three-day waiting period that we instituted after the Parkland shooting. It's irrelevant now. But I think what really upsets me so much more is what this is going to mean to our kids in school. Because part of the legislation that he signed today is going to reduce the penalty for anyone caught on a school campus with a gun from a felony to a misdemeanor. That means the next school shooting in Florida is more likely because the penalty for getting caught is less severe now. You can't make this up, but this is who he is. This is what they did, all to appeal to a base for a presidential campaign. Ron DeSantis, 
There will be a shooting in Florida in the next few days, maybe the next week. That will be directly attributable to this legislation. Absolutely. That shooting will be because of you. Somebody in Florida may die in the next few days or the next week because of this legislation. That will be because of you, Ron DeSantis. And so I understand why you hid today. I understand why you did not do a public announcement of your signing of this bill. Yeah, he didn't. Because you are a weak, pathetic, (laughs) small-minded individual, and you are afraid to actually face Floridians across the state who approve of my position and everyone else on this call's position. I forget the exact number. It's north of 75% of Floridians did not want you to do this. But you did it anyway. And the next gun violence murder in the state, it's on you. It's all you will on now him. need to live with that. You are. It's all on him. Uh, and I guess I ended it there. Um, yeah, the call went on for a while, but that was the part that I wanted to play for. And it's Fred Gutenberg, not Goldman or Goldberg. I, I Brain fart. Sorry about that. But, you know, it's just inconceivable. So after... The killings in Parkland. We, um, Florida passed a law, a three-day waiting period on getting a gun. Well, that's all wiped out with this crappy legislation. It's insane. This is what we're turning into. Guns for everybody. Hey, what could possibly go wrong? That was, who was that speaking? That was Fred Gutenberg whose daughter Jamie was killed in the Parkland Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting five years ago and uh, commenting today. All right, we do have a guest coming up, so let me quickly tell you about my wonderful, wonderful um, BlendJet 2. So BlendJet 2, because it's the second generation of these BlendJet blenders, and they are so good. Um, I, I I already enjoyed my smoothie today just because that's what I wanted for lunch. So I had a really delicious fruit smoothie. And now I'm having my late afternoon coffee drink, better than a Starbucks. And I don't have to bust any unions to get it. And I don't have to pay a fortune because I just use my leftover coffee from the morning. Put in um, some milk. Put in a little bit of – I use I – use, um, uh, stevia and and a lot of ice and I have a delicious ice coffee drink and because it's hot here in it's 84 degrees in Florida it's hot so it's a nice pick-me-up and it's so convenient so I'm out there I go in the kitchen I make it I I fill it up I put my ice in and I bring it in here and I wait until just before I want to drink it and then I blend it up so it's nice and crispy icy yeah, just the way I like it. And see, you can do that. You can fill up your BlendJet 2 with all the ingredients and take it with you to work or to the gym or to the beach or wherever you're going. It fits very nicely in the cup holder in your car and have a fresh smoothie with you whenever you want it. Um, so uh, you, we have a deal. Uh, the BlendJet people have a deal for us. If you go to BlendJet.com, use the promo code FEEDME12. And you get a uh, you get free two day shipping and twelve percent off your entire order. And there's all kinds of designs to choose from. Mine is the geode um, 
a design. It's really pretty. But they have a whole Disney series as well. So um, Disney and, you know, by the way, Mother's Day is coming up in about a month. So just just throwing it out. There are lots of reasons to get a BlendJet for you or someone you love. BlendJet.com. Use the promo code FEEDME12. Free two-day shipping and um, 12% off your entire order. Okay? Okay. All right. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you one more of these songs. So this woman, I used to play her all the time when she, oh, God, that's not the song. That's the, oh, that's just a photograph. Uh-oh. I don't think I have her song. I'm going to have to find it for you. Um, and, but our guest isn't here yet. So if the guest isn't here yet, let me see if I could find it real fast. Um, I don't know if you remember her because, well, if you were with me for a long time, maybe you do. Miss um, Lori Lehman, I think, was the name, was her name. Miss Lori Lehner, L-E-H-N-E-R. So Miss Lori Lehner, I guess, left Twitter a while ago. She left Twitter um, and she... um, but but she's still on on uh, YouTube, and I didn't know that until I found her the other day, as I was looking for, you know, any Trump indictment songs, and she did one. So um, uh, while we wait for our guest to get here, let's check out what Miss Lori Laner put together for us, like this. Whoops! Oh, it would help if I had it cued in at the beginning. Was a fool who tried to lead with lies. Us minus Trump, too great to quantify. Impeachments we had, but buddy, this guy was bad. Talk Trumpy, it's time Uh-oh. to set his set his panics can't stop. We're just trapped. Hey, hey, Trump's indicted and it feels so good. Trump's indicted as his firework. <laughs> Kept dodging the shit, but this time he stepped in it. We are. And it ends just just suddenly like that. Hey, hey. All right. I don't know where our guest is, so um, hopefully she'll be along pretty soon. I know, uh, you know, here's the problem. You heard the ringing during the song. The phone comes up on the same pot that that this computer comes up on. I guess I need to figure out a different way to do that. But I can't take a call <laughs> when a video is playing. This is my, uh, my spit and bubble gum. Um, computer so uh okay so the, the, i thought she was supposed to be here at five twenty. maybe we said five thirty. um so uh, let's see what else is going yeah she is good right and she's got a bunch of stuff um on the on the interwebs a lot of in fact she did a different one what she did was like right after the news of the indictment she did sort of a montage 
of and I but I don't think I put unless I have it down here. Um, no, she did this montage of uh, of her like Trumpy songs uh, that 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 she put together. Let me see if I can find that because it's it's actually quite funny. Um, but uh, is this no no? She's got a million of them though. I'll tell you. Some people, again, have way too much time on their hands. But, but uh, you know, I, I, I didn't even, she was gone, and I didn't realize that, uh, that I wasn't seeing her stuff. Because sometimes you, you don't realize there's an absence of something. Does that make sense? But anyway, so now, here, here, here's the, the parody, that, uh, the, the montage parody she put together. Just because it is quite good. And I figure I may as well just share it with you while we're waiting for our guest. And if she doesn't show up, we'll do something else. Okay, you ready? Oh, we got to talk about Marge on 60 Minutes, too. Oh, God. I don't know which is worse, Trump or Marge on 60 Minutes. All right, Miss Lori Laner, take it away. I had a dream, dream about you, Donald. It's gonna come true, Donald. He thinks that they're through, but... You'll be jailed and it'll be great. Gonna have your tax returns on a plate. Secret meeting, Trump Tower, U.S. sold the foreign power, trade straight as for a dime. Trump will do time. You'll be in jail soon. Our all private people sees he only serves the presidents. With love, they won't be served with a just sentence in the residence. Special counsel, C O U N S E L. You spell special counsel, C O U N S E L. Can you spell special counsel, C O U N S E L? You spell special counsel, C O U N S E L. Again, she needs a better ending. She does these amazing songs and just stops cold in mid-delivery. But Miss Lori Lenner, at least there you get an idea of, um, you know, what, uh, what she was, um, what, what she's capable of. She's really good, right? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, happy to share her with you. And now I'm going to have to delve into her YouTube 
the library because there's a wealth of of music, right? Isn't that great? And those are just clips of songs that she's done like through the past few years. So um, those weren't all unique to the indictment. I think she just did a celebratory composite uh, uh, collage of all her, you know, song Trump parodies and all that. All right. We'll get back to that another day uh, because I see our guest is here. I, I don't know if Rebecca, if, Rebecca, if you have video, come on and turn it on. Ah, there she is. All right. Well, let me bring you on in. So our guest today is Rebecca Boggs Roberts. Uh, Rebecca is the author of this brand new book, Untold Power, The Fascinating Rise and Complex Legacy of First Lady Edith Wilson. I guess I don't need to hold it up because I have it up on the screen. Um, Rebecca, thank you for being here today. You know, we missed Women's History Month. We're just a few days late. But as I said earlier, you know, who says we have to relegate women's history to the month of March. Exactly. Women's history is history. Talk about it all year long. Damn right. You know, I'm, uh, I'm going to send your book when I'm done with it to my friend Amy Simon, who you should know, because she is, you know, years ago when her kids were in elementary school or grade school, um, one of them came home and for Women's History Month, she had to do a report on a woman who inspired her. And she wanted to either do it on Shakira or Cher. And, nice. But it wasn't. Amy was not real happy because, <laughs> you know, and then she started researching on what we know about women's history. I mean, they're both fine women, I suppose. But you have a wealth of women throughout our history that she could she could have chosen to do um, a report on. But when they go, when she went to the library to look, she found like a minuscule area devoted to women's history. So for the last 10 years, she's, she's a, she's a theater person. She's a comedian and an actress and a writer. So she's written this play called she's history, the most dangerous women in America then and now. And then she Hmm. modified it into a multi, she, she, she made different versions for middle school and for high school. So to, to take it to schools and show it. Then she did it for a full cast where they all played multiple characters. And now she was contacted to turn it into a book. So she's totally immersed in this. And her website is she'shistory.com. So, I, you know, I, I texted her this morning, took a photo of the book cover and said, Amy, look who I'm interviewing today. And so I know she's listening and she's excited, but I asked her, what do you know about Edith Wilson? And she just said, Woodrow's wife. (laughs) So a lot of people don't know Edith Wilson. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I didn't. And I'm not as much of a history buff, but I used to live, I had a house on Woodrow Wilson Drive in Los Angeles and I hated it because my address was too long. It was just long and cumbersome. So I had a thing (laughs) against Woodrow Wilson. So and then my husband, when I, I said, uh, you know, he said, who's on today? And I told him and he's like, oh, ask if she was as big a racist as he was. Yeah. Was she? <laughs> I guess is the first question. Because Woodrow kind of was, right? Yeah. I mean, so the legacy of Woodrow Wilson as this, you know, heroic visionary of world peace has been revised a lot lately. And one of the reasons for that revision is his racism. He... He resegregated the civil service. He screened Bertha Nation at the White House. And so even if you don't want to judge a historic figure by contemporary standards, he went backwards in his own time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, he did those things before he married Edith, but let's not claim she was progressive. She was uh, definitely a child of Reconstruction era Virginia. Her family had been enslavers during, before the Civil War. Uh, they only lived in this little town in Southwest Virginia because they couldn't afford a plantation life anymore once they had to pay their labor. And her memoir has some really bigoted comments about you know, how happy her family's slaves were and how they didn't know what to do with their freedom once they had it. And so, yes, bigoted, no question. Bigoted. But the things we didn't know, you look, we so much in the last decade about finally we'll get our first female president, maybe. We now have our first female vice president. But in a sense, Edith Wilson was the first female president, wasn't she? I mean, as long as you use that word acting, first acting female president, because yep. we will have one, Nicole. And we I will have one. I don't want to take anything away from that woman's achievement. That you. will be an important day. Um, but yes, in 1919, when Woodrow Wilson had a stroke, uh, Edith decided to pretend he didn't. And she conspired with his doctor and with his chief of staff. And together, they kept how sick he was from everybody. I mean, not just the public, but... The Congress, the vice president, the president himself, he didn't even really know how sick he was. And she took on the executive role. She decided who saw him. She drafted public statements. Um, She decided what got his attention and what didn't. Um, And she kept that up for a shockingly long time. I mean, this was not a like, get through the worst of it for a couple of days and then he'll be fine. This was months and months and months. Wow. Now, she's not, I don't know if they were the first or not. We know that since then, There have been a lot of presidential illnesses we haven't been privy to, right? We know certainly FDR, they didn't want to let on that that he was in a wheelchair, right? And because TV was was just in its infancy, he wasn't often uh, on television. He wasn't photographed very often. And when he was, he was always standing up and propped up often. Um, And Kennedy, too. John Kennedy was had a a strange disease that they kept very quiet. Um, Ronald Reagan. He, he had Alzheimer's from by all reports, right? And um, so, so this is not as unusual as it might appear. Do we know if it was yeah, at the time? I mean, I think it's a, it's a question of of scope, right? Like, it's one thing to not be as physically robust as you're pretending to be, mm-hmm. and to be propped up by leg braces when you really use a wheelchair eighty percent of the time. It's another thing to be bedridden and completely incapacitated while people pretend you aren't. Oh. Um, and even once Woodrow Wilson regained, at first he was really sort of at death's door, but once he was out of the woods in terms of like mortal danger, he still was really not capable of being president. He was confined to bed. His speech was slurred. His whole left side was paralyzed. He found it very hard to follow a conversation. He couldn't concentrate for very long. And at the time, the doctors were telling him he couldn't be exposed to any kind of a stress. So even (laughs) if his brain were okay, and there's no evidence that his brain was okay, but even if it were, he was being told not to use it. And so really from like October of 1919, um, all through the spring of 1920, he improved, but he never got all the way better. And so it was really until... The election in 1920 when Warren Harding was elected and then inaugurated in 1921. So this is not a just kind of 
make it look good for the camera sort right, of an event. Right. This is like months and months and months of a man far too sick to do the job he was elected to do. Now, w- did he have his stroke after World War One? Because I know he was president during World War One. I mean, during some pretty consequential times. Was she presiding over anything really important? <laughs> It was after World War One. In fact, one of the reasons he was vulnerable to a stroke, and he was never the healthiest dude to begin with, but he had insisted on going to Paris himself to negotiate the peace treaty. That was very important to him. And that was grueling. You know, it was round-the-clock negotiations, demands on his time at every moment. It was 1918. There was a flu epidemic. He called oh, the wow. flu. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that, that was like the first and, COVID, right? That was, yeah. Right. So when he got back to the U.S. in 1919, he was a mess. He was exhausted. He, um, you know, had just fought this whole treaty fight and now had to fight with the U.S. Senate to ratify it. And um, he was getting nowhere with the treaty fight. And so he decided he had to go take the issue to the people. And he went on this completely ill-fated cross-country train trip that was a really bad idea. And that really pushed him over the edge. He collapsed on the train. Um, They canceled the rest of the trip, came back here to Washington, and then he had a massive stroke a week later. So it was post the actual war, post the treaty negotiations for the war, but... um, First of all, that had all sort of put him in a vulnerable position of his health. And the treaty wasn't done. You know, the the Senate hadn't ratified it and ultimately actually never did. Um, and so the issues that were facing the presidency at that time were huge. And it, it wasn't just the treaty. I mean, think about what was going on in the country at the end of 1919. We've got suffrage. Mm-hmm. We've got labor unrest. We've mm-hmm. got prohibition. We've got red scares. All kinds of xenophobic hunting down of anyone who looked like they might not be American enough. I mean, it was a massively tumultuous social time. And the president wasn't there. Couldn't do it. Wow. And Edith, you know, Edith didn't necessarily do anything he wouldn't have done. It's not like she seized power for her own secret agenda. Um, She was really acting the way she thought he would act. Um, but no one elected Edith to anything. I mean, it's preposterous. Right. It it shouldn't have come to that. Um, did people know? I mean, obviously she they they hid his how sick he was while she was taking on more responsibility. Did they, they they didn't know till long after, right? Or did they? Well, it kind of trickled out. I mean, you can't keep a secret that long. Not in this town. So <laughs> there were definitely news stories of people saying, you know, if he's okay, let us see him. Because he wasn't seen in public for five months, oh, which God. is, can you imagine, right? <laughs> so the, by the spring of 1920, there were news reports saying, like, if he's okay, let us see him. And if he's not okay, we need to know that. Mm-hmm. And um, more and more people who had had dealings with the White House and had discovered that that meant dealing with Edith, not the president, started to say in the press, you know, the acting executive right now is actually the president's wife. And you know what's funny is that those news articles that, you know, claimed that we might have a female president in the White House, Mrs. Mrs. Wilson is acting, they weren't all critical. Wow. Um, you know, some of them said, can you imagine having a more dutiful wife? What an ideal woman she is <laughs> stepping in and helping out her husband while he recovers. Um, and I think people were patient with it to some extent, um, but it was it, it went on far, far too long. And mm-hmm. I also I, I have to be clear. One of the reasons it went on so long is that 
there was no 25th Amendment. So the 25th Amendment, which wasn't ratified till 1967, makes it very clear that when the president is incapacitated, the vice president has to step in. Right. And that didn't exist. And so it was there was just some very murky language about what happened if the president was incapacitated. And most important, it it was not clear in the constitutional language that existed who makes that call, who decides the president can't do his job. And all of the options, his chief of staff, his doctor, his wife, weren't going to do it. Um, and so, and the vice president was kind of a clown and didn't want any part of it. So there wasn't somebody knocking at the door saying, I want to I should be the one taking over this presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, within the Wilson administration, there was a lot of political will to keep the secret. There was one member of the cabinet, um, Robert Lansing, Secretary of State, who was totally fed up and had had it. And he started to talk to the press and to the Congress about um, how much he was being stiff-armed by the White House. But um, it was it was kind of extraordinary how how well the secret was kept and when it started to leak, how well it was spun. So so they've always had a good press office (laughs) there at the White House being able to spin the press. Um, I got to ask, because I'm looking at your name and um, you come from a, a, well, a a family who's who's enmeshed in this world. Frankly, your mother was Cokie Roberts, who we all know. In fact, she wrote a book. I mentioned Amy when Amy first started on this uh, she's history thing. I sent her the book Founding Mothers, which oh, was your excellent. mother's book. Um, and, you know, we, we I grew up watching her. But her parents also that your Boggs, your middle name was your mother's maiden name. And your your both your grandparents served in Congress from Louisiana. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. My grandfather, Hale Boggs, um, was first elected from a congressional district in downtown New Orleans in the 40s. He was killed in a plane crash um, when I was a little kid in the early 70s. And my grandmother ran for his seat and she held it, um, you know, my whole childhood all through um, the 70s and 80s. She retired from Congress in the 90s to become the ambassador to the Vatican um, in the Clinton administration. So, yeah, she was she was one of my heroes, just a totally extraordinary woman. And, um, she actually lived to be 97. So I was lucky enough to have her in my life for an extraordinarily long time. My mom, as you know, you know, died much younger with, um, it's been about three and a half years since mom's death. So I had these strong, loving, unbelievably supportive feminist women in my life, um, from before I existed. But but you were always enmeshed in the world of politics in Washington, D.C., and that's what you grew up with. I mean, your mother was reporting, I'm guessing, your whole life. Yeah, my dad, too. Um, dad and, too. you know, it's funny that the, the Beltway bubble is real. Right? So when you grow up here, and I still live here, and, um, you know, both my parents were political journalists, and we'd sit around the dinner table and talk about, like, what bill was in Senate markup, and I didn't know that was weird. I didn't know <laughs> that that was an unusual way to grow up until I got to college, and suddenly not everyone could name all 435 members of the U.S. <laughs> House of Representatives. And, uh, yeah, it took getting a little bit away to understand that this really is a company town in a huge number of ways. And, you know, my my day job is at uh, the Library of Congress. I've always worked in also arts and culture organizations. Um, so I'm I'm deep in the in the Beltway bubble myself. Um, 
And, you know, like anything else, you, you grow up talking about what your parents do for a living and you get interested mm-hmm. in it or you rebel against it. I, right, right. I did the former. <laughs> well, it sounds like a little bit of both, maybe. But, um, you know, you mentioned the Library of Congress. First of all, I want to come visit. A friend of mine started working there, I want to say, maybe a year ago, maybe two. Do you know Stacey Seifert? She's, she's working huge. in the film department now, but oh, cool. um, and she comes from, we, we both worked in music radio in Los Angeles at the same time. So I I've known Stacy for years and she's like, this is her favorite job she's ever had. So, um, I, she posts on, you know, all these cool movie screenings they're doing and stuff. And then just, it was Friday night, I believe we saw PBS aired the, 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 Gershwin Award, Joni Mitchell. Oh, that was at the Library of Congress, which was magnificent. And but uh, that and that whole program was great. So everybody should watch it if you can still find it somewhere. But hearing Annie Lennox talking about the Library of Congress was way cool. That must have been. It was way cool. I mean, I have to say, uh, so I am a Gen Xer. I was delighted to see that the honoree was going to be Joni Mitchell, but she's not my era. Right. Annie Lennox and Cindy Lauper, who Cindy were both Lopper. part yeah. of those con- that concert, that like did my 80s teenage heart <laughs> so good. And then, yes, Annie Lennox talking about the Library of Congress. Not only did she totally get what the library is about. First of all, she has a Scottish accent. Did yes, you know she, she does. Scottish? I did know I that. I did not until <laughs> I saw that video. But she completely was into the whole notion of collection and, you know, maintaining records for future generations. And, yeah, she's become a terrific supporter of the library. So And, and she said, and by the way, anybody can come here. You can right, come, come here. See, I wasn't aware. <laughs> of that we don't know and I, I told Stacy she needs to come on the show and I'm going to need to I'm going to now after watching that program I thought I need to call Stacy and have her on but um if she's allowed I don't even know uh but anyway that I, I saw that you work there and I thought that's great so you you're right in your you, you've done a lot of stuff though you've been a journalist and a producer <laughs> and um is it just because you've got a lot of interests or you like doing different things or yeah I mean I you know, I have this bio that says she's been a tour guide and a jazz singer and a whatever. And it does make me seem like a dilettante. I think that the they all are just about storytelling in various ways, right? Whether you're a journalist or whether you're a tour guide or whether you're a museum educator or whether you're writing biographies of historic first ladies. What you're really doing is finding a cool story and finding a great way to tell it. And um, that is really what I'm all about. I've kind of popped around from medium to medium. Um, but I, you know, none of, nowhere in there am I fixing your hard drive or, you know, <laughs> performing thoracic surgery. It, I do know my lane. <laughs> uh, no, I hear you. But this is not your first book. You've written other books. You wrote, so the suffragist playbook, I love your guide to yeah, changing the that's world. A, that's a young readers book. It's, it's great. So I co-wrote that with my friend Lucinda Robb. Um, it is a young readers book that sort of takes the lessons from the suffrage movement to encourage teenagers to become activists themselves mm-hmm. and you know what they can learn from how the suffragists succeeded in order to succeed at whatever they want to do to change the world um and that was great fun to write first of all it was so sort of overtly like history is relevant your life go figure follow these incredibly impressive women um but also I, you know, we, when we first started that book, we thought we might have to start with a little introduction 
about why teenagers should feel like they could be activists and why they could feel empowered to change the world. And then we realized we don't have to do that. Like today's teenagers know they can change the world. They have so many role models, whether it's, you know, Malala or Greta Thunberg or the Parkland kids or whatever. You know, there are so many young people who have decided that they're sick of waiting for us stupid adults to take action and they're going to take it in their own hands. Um, And so it was really inspiring. And, you know, my kids are, um, I have two in college, one in high school, and I'm really actually optimistic about the future. I see them, I see their friends, I see their generation, and I'm really impressed with them and what they think they can take on. You know, I am encouraged by the kids today, by, I guess it's Gen X. Um, and I'm older, I'm older than you. I'm, I, I, I was born in the end of 59. So I was, you know, a month in the fifties, but you know, I, so I, I'm, I'm the end of the boomers. Um, and it, it's wild. And you think, okay, the millennials, did nothing. Um, the boomers screwed everything up. The millennials did nothing. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing this burst of energy from these kids. I also live in South Florida. I live in Coral Springs, which is right next door to Parkland. So kids from Coral Springs go to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Mm -hmm. It's we are, that's my community and we feel it. And today the idiot governor in the state just signed into law permitless carry. So now if you want a gun, if you if it used to be to have a concealed carry permit, you had to go through a whole course. And it, I heard overheard somebody saying, oh, it's a whole lifestyle. You really need to follow these. And now there's nothing. Anybody, I guess, over the age of 18 can get a gun in Florida. If you go to a gun show and don't go to a federally licensed gun dealer, you don't even have to have a background check. So they have these gun shows that have all these loopholes. And so anybody walking down the street as of now can can be packing heat. They could walk up to a school and they can't stop them because they're not technically doing anything illegal. The kids are the ones taking to the streets. The kids are the ones. They have a walkout planned from all the schools on Wednesday. Today was a planning day in in Tennessee. The state capitol today again is overrun with kids protesting because of the shooting there last week. I really feel I I feel optimism for the first time in a long time because I didn't think we were getting anywhere, and I still don't. I want more kids, young people, to run for office because I think they're it's their future. So yeah, and I want I want them to vote in more consistent numbers because it's pretty easy for politicians to ignore them if if they don't exercise their political power. But uh, I agree with you. I I I love that they think that it is their world to change. I am sorry that gun violence is so such a personal issue for that generation. Yeah, and you know what, voting is so important because tomorrow there are two two really important elections in um, Wisconsin. For the Supreme Court, it's the runoff of the Supreme Court. And this race will determine if the the the, the right wingers or, you know, sorry, sane people have control of the Supreme Court in Wisconsin. And um, uh, and and apparently the young people really didn't vote in the regular election. So, it, you know, they can turn this. They can change it. And it will have national ramifications because of a birth control law that was put into place in Wisconsin you know, a century ago or something, um, that that their Republican government wants to keep on the books 
even though it's not relevant to today, they want to bring it back to make abortion illegal. Also in Chicago, the mayoral runoff is today. Kids, young people, I call them kids. They're not kids. They're adults. They're young adults. They need to vote. And I get, I'm encouraged when I hear that the numbers of younger voters are going up. I want to see it tomorrow, too. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I I know that it can feel irrelevant and feel like one voice doesn't matter. But here's my PSA. Register, vote. Every election, even the weird off-year ones that are just school board, vote. vote. Do it. Yeah, no reason not to vote in every single election. You know, you said, here's my little voice. Um, I, when I was a kid, I, I loved it, and it, it became one of my favorite books as an, as an adult. And it's about voting, and it's Horton Hears a Who. Because the littlest vo- voice is saying, we can, we can. You know, it's the, li- you know, the littlest one of all made the difference. So that's, I, I actually one year read that on the air. In Miami, doing mornings on Miami radio. I read Horton Hears the Who on the air to encourage people to vote. Because after all, that's if you don't, then, you know, you wind up with Ron DeSantis. So it's kind of scary what's happening here. The book is Untold Power, the fascinating rise and complex legacy of First Lady Edith Wilson. Did you find most people don't know much about Edith Wilson? Yeah, I mean, if they know anything, they know that she stepped in when he had a stroke. Most people don't even know that. Right. Um, And, you know, some of that is her fault. Like, she covered her own tracks really well. And even in her own memoir, she does this whole, I was just standing by my man number. Um, So that can be kind of tricky to tell someone's story that they've spent a lot of time obfuscating and it's very female right like most men write memoirs to aggrandize themselves and play up their role edith wilson wrote a memoir to play down her role and pretend it wasn't that big a deal right and didn't Um, you say that even um her her story ended when he died yeah her memoir ends the day he dies which kills me that's weird (laughs) she did write more chapters her publisher just didn't think anyone won't want to read them so i actually am the first person who had access to those unpublished chapters which is pretty cool now didn't you say they were handwritten and then her aides (laughs) transcribed them that's that's fascinating yeah yeah and you know it's not like there's some big smoking gun in those chapters but it is more of her voice so i got more of a chance to understand who she was because it's kind of hard to reconstruct someone 100 years after especially if they have spent a a lot of time curating their image and trying to get you to feel a certain way about them. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, this it's a great story. And again, stories that we didn't know. And this is one of them. And there's there's a wealth of them out there that we, there we knew are. about Abigail Adams. We knew about her letters and, you know, but we don't know about most of the first ladies. And so this is fascinating. You open my eyes. It's like, wait a minute. There's there are stories there. We don't know. This would make a great movie. It would. I know. If anyone's listening and wants to make a movie, give me give my agent a call. No, I mean, I think that this whole notion of stories of women that are either undertold or badly told, um, it, it, there's just nonstop of those stories. You know, the ones that are either ignored completely or couched in sexist garbage or, um, you know, reduced to just an appendage to the man who was actually d- doing the history making Women just make history differently because for a long time they, they couldn't wield the powerful positions. That's and right. So you have to like reconsider 
this Hall of Fame model and think through how does social change actually happen? That's right. Um, because it doesn't always happen in the hands of the person holding the office. Well, Rebecca, before I let you go, um, you, my husband, who you know, he listens in the other room and every now and then he pops his head in because he's got a question. So David Sloan, Rebecca Boggs Roberts. Hi, Rebecca. How are you Hi, doing? Hi, David. Hey, um, I have a question. How much of a role did, um, did Edith play in the perpetuation of the nativist movement and the response to anarchists that actually predated uh, Woodrow's stroke? Because that was a significant part. My father was an immigrant. At that point in, in time, he had come to the United States in 1895 at the age of, uh, he was born in 1895, came in 1907 at the age of 12. So by the time Woodrow Wilson was president, he was a young man. And a lot of what went on then um, and shortly thereafter really made an impression upon him. And I'm just wondering how much of that was Woodrow, how much of that was Edith? Actually, I think it was very little of either. And that is one of the effects of her taking the reins. So she, as I said, didn't necessarily do anything differently than he would have done, but she kept him in this echo chamber, as did the secretary and the doctor. And he was so fixated on the League of Nations and the treaty that they, they basically didn't tell him anything else was going on. And so like when Attorney General Palmer went on those Palmer raids and started stirring up anti-immigrant fervor and going on this completely manufactured red scare, I'm not sure Wilson even knew that was going on. Um, and so that was, you know, inaction has its effects too. So I don't think she was whispering in his ear saying, hey, you know, take it to the immigrants. I think she was just focusing his natural inclination to be completely obsessed with the League of Nations and the Treaty of Versailles to the exclusion of all else, mm. which allowed people like Mitchell Palmer to run rampant over the Constitution. So much history, you know, in the so 200 and however many years it's been. Um, and, and yeah, you know, some of us should have paid more attention back in history class <laughs> in school. Uh, Rebecca Boggs Roberts, thank you so much. I just realized I had somebody else's information below you. So are you on Twitter? Is there a website? How can people find you? Yeah, RebeccaRoberts.org is my website. And my Twitter is rboggsroberts. Okay, and I will put that all up on the page where I uh, post the podcast. It'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 4-3-23. It's by the date. That's how you find it. No paywall. Share this so you can share the story with your friends. Rebecca, it was great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Nicole. My pleasure. You take care. Bye-bye. Uh, and with that, we're done. Uh, thanks to Rebecca. That was, that was fascinating. It was a lot more interesting. You know, I never know. I never know. But uh, I thought it would be interesting once I read a few of the stories about about Edith. Who knew? Edith, all I knew is I don't like Woodrow Wilson. I didn't like living on Woodrow Wilson Drive because it was a pain in the ass to write my address. And um, Jane Harmon went to work at the Woodrow Wilson Center, which kind of, ugh. I was glad to get her out of Congress, but, you know. Anyway, little things we preoccupy ourselves with. All right. Well, tomorrow is Tuesday. I don't have a guest book tomorrow. And I think I'm going to keep it that way because the day it is, <laughs> it is um, arraignment day. I, I hope there will be some arraignment day song parodies we can share with you. But arraignment day. And um, so Trump will be heading into this arraignment somewhere, I want to say around 10 30, 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. He's going to have a, now this is interesting, a, 
a primetime televised press conference? We'll see who takes it. Of course, it'll be Fox and Newsmax. And the question is, will CNN and MSNBC? We can take bets or we can do it tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. I already know what I think. And I think I think MSNBC will record it and bring us any important parts that we need to hear. I think CNN's going to carry it live because, you know, they're trying to play, play both sides against the middle. Just my just my my prediction. We'll find out tomorrow. All right. Uh, should be an interesting day. Maybe want to make an extra bowl of popcorn or something. But we'll do it together. And tomorrow, Robert Naples, I will take your call. And I'll, I'll bring up the phone on the other computer so I don't have to worry about it. 2.15 my time, Trump gets arraigned. Oh, thank you, Tamara. Um, so perfect. 2.15? I, I hope they televise it. The judge hasn't said whether or not they will allow cameras in the room. I have a feeling they won't. But we'll see. Either way, popcorn. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening, everyone. I'll leave you with the news. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Timing is everything, or so they say. Congress is out for a two-week recess. Passover begins Wednesday night, Friday is Good Friday, and Easter is this Sunday. So you'd think it'd be a slow news week, right? Wrong. In fact, buckle in. Tuesday just might be one of the most newsworthy days we've seen in a long time. First of all, that long-awaited runoff to determine the control of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, finally here, as is the runoff in the Chicago mayoral race, all happening Tuesday. As for the rest of the nation, it'll be all eyes trained on New York City, where the former guy himself, former President Donald Trump, is expected to voluntarily surrender and appear in court for his arraignment. This is a first for any current or former president in our relatively short history as a nation. And though we haven't seen the details yet, reports are that the indictment is coming on more than 30 counts, all related to business fraud stemming from an alleged 2016 hush money payment cover-up involving adult film star Stormy Daniels. And another one involving a former Playboy playmate, Karen McDougal. Meanwhile, the charges have not been revealed and likely won't be public until the indictment is unsealed. A number of media outlets asked the New York judge to unseal the indictment before Tuesday, and news organizations are also asking for permission to broadcast the court appearance. But we just have to wait to see if the judge will grant the requests. In the meantime, the former guy has vowed to fight the charges, and he really believes that the circus surrounding it all will further energize his base as he ramps up his 2024 presidential campaign. But honestly, this is just the start of the former guy's troubles. A judge in Delaware ruled on Friday that that $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems against the Fox Not News channel will be decided by a jury trial. The decision rejects the arguments made by by both sides, asking the judge to rule a summary judgment in their favor and skip the trial altogether. Yeah, that's not happening. Meanwhile, Dominion is alleging that Fox knowingly aired false claims that its voting machines were rigged during the 2020 election, causing irreparable reputational damage. Fox officials are arguing that the content was newsworthy 
and protected by the First Amendment, as the claims were being made by the then-president and his allies. Analysts say the jury will be asked to decide whether the news channel acted with, quote, actual malice. The trial is expected to start two weeks from today, April 17th. Oh, and we're still waiting to hear from Georgia and from special counsel Jack Smith. Stay tuned. Moving on. It appears that the old adage, April showers bring May flowers, may just have been eviscerated by climate change. And I can't find one adage about April tornadoes, as the magnitude of these storms is unprecedented. At least 32 people died and hundreds more were injured during another huge storm system that on Friday and Saturday ravaged nearly two-thirds of the nation from the southern plains to the northeast. At least 88 tornadoes were reported across the Midwest and South on Friday alone. And this coming just a week after 26 people were killed in a similar storm in the South. Storms in Oklahoma started at least 100 fires where dozens of people were injured. And then as it moved east, the storm severely hit parts of Arkansas, Tennessee, Indiana, and Illinois, where a roof collapsed at a concert hall. One man died minutes after management stopped the show. And as far east as Delaware, a man died there as a result of the storm. And if you're in Tennessee, watch out. Officials are warning similar extreme weather conditions are expected tomorrow. Stay safe, everyone. The gas price roller coaster is heading uphill again. Oil prices are surging today after OPEC Plus producers surprised everyone, announcing that they're cutting production. Why? Follow the money. Member countries of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, monitor the market and decide collectively to raise or lower oil production in order to maintain stable prices and supply. Well, on Sunday, Saudi Arabia announced that it would start a, quote, voluntary reduction of its production of crude oil alongside other members, including Russia, Iraq, the UAE, Kuwait, Algeria, and Oman. The collective output cut by the countries totals 1.66 million barrels per day, which analysts say could mean that inflation remains higher for longer. Think there's any planning going on there? Nah. Why would anyone think that? Oh, it's time for our new feature, today's train derailment. This time, it was 25 cars of a freight train derailing in western Montana on Sunday. Some of the cars plunged into a nearby river, of course, raising questions about what the train was hauling. Well, in response, authorities said no one was injured and there didn't appear to be any hazardous materials on board. Wow. And finally... Some people are waking up today asking, where's my blue check? Twitter used to verify accounts of notable people, journalists, artists, whatever, with a blue check mark, just saying that those accounts have been verified. That person is who they say they are. Well, since Elon Musk bought Twitter, he decided to do away with the actual verified badges and let anyone pay for a verified blue check, whether they're verified or not. Well, the purging began yesterday. And one of the first to lose it was the New York Times. Despite the fact that Elon Musk said Twitter will allow its 10,000 most followed organizations to keep those blue check marks, whether they pay or not. Well, he pulled the rug out from under the New York Times after they said they would not pay for the blue check. Businesses will pay $1,000 a month. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good luck with that. And individual users like me who were previously verified, they say all we have to do is pay $8 a month. <laughs> Lots of other uses I could put $8 a month to. And Twitter ain't one of them. I got the- And that's just a bit of what's news. For now, I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and The Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button. And even if you gave me $8 a month, I still wouldn't give it to Twitter.